So, Rachel. Yeah? The Enterprise encounters two survivors of a war-torn planet, each half black and half white, who are still committed to destroying each other. Mm. What do you think you're going to get? Well, they might be the last survivors at all. Spock and McCoy might see their relationship as a parallel to theirs, something they could learn from. Mm. Spock will be aware of the alien's history, so he'll lay that on everybody. Mm. They'll get sedated at some point. Right. Kirk will do some monologues to convince them to change their ways. They'll show surprise at the Enterprise's mixed-race crew. And we'll have side-on shots so we can see both white sides, for example, to show how similar they really are. Anywhere near? Yeah. Rachel watches Star Trek. Captain's log, Stardate 5730.2. The planet Arianus is vital as a transfer point on regular space commercial lanes has been attacked by a bacterial invasion which threatens to render it lifeless unless checked. Our mission, to decontaminate it. That was the captain's log from the episode Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, an episode from the original series of Star Trek. I'm Rachel Lackey. And I'm Chris Lackey, and we're here to talk about this episode. On our podcast, Rachel Watches Star Trek. This is so exciting. <laughs> Why? Because this is a, a very famous episode of Star Trek. Yeah, iconic. Uh, iconic, I would yes. even say, yes. Bit of a letdown. Oh, yeah. spoiler. Yeah. But let's get into the story. The Enterprise is on an urgent decontamination mission to the planet Arianus. Now, let me ask you this. Is that place uninhabited? No. Well, how are they going to decontaminate it then? They don't say exactly how they're going to decontaminate it, but mm. they are. Maybe they're going to use a form of radiation that will only affect the bacteria or Gosh. whatever. Because it's a bacterial invasion is yeah. what it said. Wow. And it says it threatens to render the planet lifeless. Whoa. So they've developed something that can only kill the bacteria and not sure. the plant life, animal life people. Yeah. Maybe mm. it's a counter bacteria that they're releasing into the atmosphere. Ooh. Don't really pan out to what we see happen later. True. Kirk's giving a million orders a minute and everything's running smoothly. Have they left the cameras running on a good day by mistake? Yeah, it seems to be I the case. So. so on their way, they discover a Federation shuttlecraft from Starbase 4, which was stolen. Mm. The vessel's life support is failing and the pilot is fading fast. They bring the shuttle board and the pilot stumbles out. He's wearing gray tight-fitting clothes, but more importantly, half of his face is black and half of his face is white. Very tight edges on that makeup distractingly shiny. He's got a high neck top and gloves. All you can really see is the made up face. Genital package delivery for everyone who <laughs> has to watch this episode. <laughs> yeah, you get to see all the goods. Oh, yeah. On this one. Human colored hair, but not eyebrows. Yeah, that's mm. an interesting choice that they decide to make. It'd be hard to make up the face and not the eyebrows, I guess. Yeah, because you can see the skin through your eyebrows yeah. a little bit. So it would be a bit of a giveaway that it's makeup. Even though, like you said, the black part is really shiny because they don't mm. have any black powder. Yeah. But I'm sure they could have found something that would have worked. Maybe coal? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so in sickbay, Kirk and Spock and McCoy stand around and speculate over this unconscious alien, saying that his coloring is crazy and they've never seen anything like it. He must be some kind of mutant. Just that mm -hmm. it'd be so bizarre that something would be half one thing and half another i guess from some evolutionary standpoint i don't know then spock gets snarky your prognosis doctor well i can't give you one jim i've never worked on anyone like him or anything like him yet you are pumping him full of your noxious potions as if he were a human when in doubt the book prevails mr spock 
I've run tests. Blood is blood, even when it's green like yours. The organs are there. They're rearranged to a degree, plus a few I've never seen before. Now, I've enriched the oxygen content of his blood and pumped in a strong stimulant. And I must say, his recuperative powers appear to be excellent. I gotta say, what was with that drive-by that Spock did? <laughs> yeah. Out of nowhere. Uh-huh. Just attacking McCoy. I know. I'm feeling defensive for McCoy and that's saying something. Wow. Yeah. That would seem characteristically on Spock-like. Yeah. yeah. So McCoy revives the alien and he says his name is Lokai from the planet Sharon. He's kind of a jerk to Kirk and company and denies that he stole the shuttle, only borrowed it. Mm-hmm. Kirk plans to take him to Starbase 4 to face charges after they finish their mission to Arianus Grande. <laughs> not called that (laughs) (laughs) the shuttle's pretty small potatoes to this guy we will find out later about his mission loki says you monotone humans are all alike first you condemn and then attack they have yet to attack him they've just helped him i don't understand why he's being verbally attacking him maybe gosh i don't know so that seems like he's making a bit of a generalization there doesn't it yes Chekhov reports a highly sophisticated and invisible vessel on a collision course with the enterprise they do a red alert as the camera goes back and forth, zooming in and out for ages, Batman style <laughs> It's so out of place. And they brace themselves. But at the last moment, it seems to disintegrate. But what's this? A new life form is aboard. Oh, hello. Hope you don't mind me dropping in like this. It's another half-half man in a similar outfit. Explains Buck. Kirk says, one of a kind. So this alien says he's Commissioner Bailey, the chief officer of the Commission on Political Traitors from Sharon. Mm. He says that he's there to take Lokai prisoner. Their names reference the names of fire deities, Logai in Norse myth and Pele in Hawaiian myth. Oh. Mm. I thought it was reference to Pele, the international Brazilian football sensation. Football sensation. <laughs> yes. Uh, actor Frank Gorshin plays Bele, and he was, I don't need to say this, but yeah. I'm going to say it anyway, he was the Riddler in well, the original Batman show. Obvious to everyone but me. He had a great impressionist act, and he did a ton of TV and movies for a long time. Mm -hmm. He got a start aged 18 Mm -hmm. after winning a talent contest and being given a one-week engagement at a New York nightclub, which started two days after his younger brother was hit by a car and killed. Mm. Six years later, after driving 39 hours straight for a screen test, such a bad idea, fell asleep at the wheel and got into a car accident, fractured his skull, and he was in a coma for four days. Oh, man. He often played tough guys, but he was nominated for an Emmy by his portrayal of the Riddler. Oh. He performed until the day of his death in 2005. A hard-working Hollywood guy. Wait, have you heard that story? about? That's something we've talked about on the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast, uh-huh. hppodcraft.com. Yeah. That Frank Gorshin and Adam West were kicked out of an orgy. What? They went to this Hollywood party together and they went into one of the rooms of the party and they saw that an orgy was going on. Yeah. And so they started doing a Batman and Riddler <laughs> bit and the people in the orgy got mad. They kicked him out. Oh, it was a bit of a boner killer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> really harsh in their buzz there. Oh, wow. It sure was. I would have so. loved it. Orgy or no orgy. You could have an orgy anytime. You can't watch that anytime can you not live true now back to this kirk is getting uppity to bailey about him claiming loci he's a more insecure kirk in this episode quite a lot of people act in the way that they normally wouldn't he's usually wry and confident in his power but now he asserts it aggressively and humorlessly yeah do you think maybe he senses that there's something about this guy that he actually has power of some kind mm, you're gonna have to hardball because with him. If, if the guy was just fronting 
he would know it. Remember, like yeah. with Ilan, she didn't really have any power. And so he kind of humored her. Plus, she's a woman, so. Oh, could be that as well. <laughs> I'm trying not to see gender. But this guy, obviously, the, the weird stuff with his ship, you mm -hmm. know, how it just disintegrated, all that. I think that's putting Kirk off. Bele says, sorry and please, and is taken to sick bay to see Lokai. He knows how to play this game. Uh -huh. So the two know each other well, and it seems that Bele has been chasing Lokai for 50,000 thousand years say what that's silly come on you don't have to make it that long do you that's ridiculous like if they said 500 years i'd be like oh Whoa, my gosh that's yeah. crazy Fifty thousand years when you make it out of the realms of understanding it just i can't engage with it anymore even 50 years would have been whoa you know, that's a long dedicated time dedicated they yeah. are to this mission overkill overkill silly so Bele says that Lokai led a revolution against the ruling order, but Lokai says that they enslaved Bele's people and still oppressed them. I will not return to Sharon with him, to a land of murdering oppressors. I told you where you were going. I allowed your fellow countrymen here simply as a courtesy. And you see how this killer repays you, as he repays all his benefactors. Benefactors? He's a liar. He raided our homes. Tore us from our families, herded us together like cattle, and then sold us as slaves. They were savages, Captain. We took them into our hearts, our homes. We educated them. Yes, just education enough to serve the master race. You were the product of our love. You repaid us with murder. Why should a slave show mercy to the enslaver? Slaves? That was changed thousands of years ago. You were freed. Freed? Are we free to be men? Free to be husbands and fathers? Free to live our lives in equality and dignity? Yes, you were free if you knew how to use your freedom. You were free enough to slaughter and to burn all the things that had been built. I tried to break the chains of a hundred million people. My only crime is that I failed. To that I do plead guilty. I thought this was the most interesting part. Oh, conceptually yeah. mm -hmm. character wise yeah. they were talking about slavery and the intergenerational impact of that even after the slavery has been abolished mm -hmm. even after you so-called set us free were we ever really free to be fathers husbands mm -hmm. to really work or live and then from the other perspective bellies we took you into our hearts we were benevolent towards you we gave you education we nurtured you in a short space of time they've really given us the two opposing perspectives on why they each think they're right in this. right it's pretty thinly veiled that this is a representation of white people and black people oh sure so they've got a one hell of a long grudge and Lokai insists he'll have armies of followers when they get back to their planet so Bele wants Lokai turned over to him and Lokai demands political asylum with the federation a little background on political asylum at the time 1960 to 62 roughly 14,000 unaccompanied children flee Fidel Castro's Cuba and come to the U.S. as part of a secret anti-communism program called Operation Peter Pan. Wow. A bit on the nose. 14,000 children? Yeah. That's crazy. They're fleeing. Where did Their they... parents are having to stay behind. So where what they... happened to them? Yeah, who do they stay with? Are mm. they adopted? Are they Maybe they've got family in maybe. Florida or something. I don't know. Wow. know more about that. Me too. 1965, the Immigration and Nationality Act ends national origin quotas enacted in the 20s, which favoured some racial and ethnic groups over others, mm. replaced them with a seven-category preference system, emphasising family reunification and skilled immigrants. Lyndon B. Johnson called the old immigration system un-American and said the new bill would correct a cruel and enduring wrong in the conduct of the American nation. Mm. 
Over the next five years, immigration from war-torn regions of Asia, including Vietnam and Cambodia, would more than quadruple. Family reunification became a driving force in US immigration. That's from history.com. Mm. Very poignant, given what's been happening in recent years. Yeah, exactly. This is um, interesting to me because in my school, when I grew up, there was a lot of kids that were my age that were Vietnamese. Oh, yeah. Were either born in America or they came over when they were very little. Mm -hmm. Some were adopted and some were from Vietnamese family. And their parents were perhaps first generation, do you know? Or? I think they were looking for political asylum, mm. fleeing uh, the communists and, and wanting protection in the United States. Yeah. Those were the only Asian kids that I ever went to school with. And that was part of LBJ's new immigration system. Yeah. yeah. A pretty good Vietnamese population in the Quad Cities now. We've had... We've been to some restaurants. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. good. Had our rehearsal dinner at one, didn't we? All right, yeah. Oh, that mm. was so good. Is that cultural appropriation? Just no. Going, well, they make nice food. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in the Quad Cities, you're right. There were a lot of Vietnamese immigrants. Yeah. And one of the things that immigrants are often able to do is have a restaurant with their specific cuisine because it's... That's a skill they naturally it, can bring that the people already live in there don't have. Yeah, they're like, hey, check out our crazy food that mm. you... We'll People love. don't know. Yeah. And you're going to love it. And they're right. They do. Yeah. Lots of different kinds of veggie meats. Oh, so good. And the whole of the rest of their culture. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to share other parts of culture. Food is one mm. of those things that yeah. you can share. Relatively cheap to make and share. Oh, yeah. Mm. And that is a good ambassador. If you've ever watched any Anthony Bourdain stuff, that's what he was all about. Food is something we all have in common. And we can share that bit of our culture with other people. And people get it. Yeah. You put it in your mouth, it tastes good. Mm. Boom. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. Back to our story. So Kirk tells Lokai and Ballet that he's got a mission to fulfill and that he's going to take them both back to Starbase 4 and that they can make their case there. Mm. Ballet is annoyed and leaves. And Kirk's content, he's got the upper hand. Kirk advises Lokai get some rest, especially his vocal cords, as he will get a chance to practice his oratory when he arrives on Starbase 4. Seemed unnecessarily bitchy. Yeah, it was. Where'd I come from? Another drive-by. <laughs> <laughs> he hadn't even talked that much, had he? No more than the other guy. I think he's still mad at him for, you know, not telling him stuff when they first picked him up. And one thing that does bother me about this episode is I generally side with the loci on this whole situation. Mm. And it seems like they're the oppressed. Yeah. And I feel like that the episode is really trying to make them seem even. And I don't think it, it is even. Mm. But they want to kind of balance it, I guess. Yeah, we can base it on is there different stories about it yeah but it, it does seem that kirk kind of aligns himself to belly um, as a fellow high-ranking person yeah suddenly they lose control of the enterprise some unseen force has taken over Poor Spock doesn't have any of the answers this episode. No. Bele swans onto the bridge and states that he's taken over the ship using some kind of mental powers and that he is taking them to Sharon. Hang on a minute. Should we just check we're saying his name right? Because I know in one of the bloopers, he said Belly and then everyone laughed and they had to cut. Wait, you've watched bloopers of this No, I just episode? read about it in the notes. Oh, okay. Um, all right. Let's stop. Okay, yeah. Whoops. Okay. Sorry, everyone. It's Beale. Okay. Beale. It's Beale from now on. Beale mocks Loki, saying on every planet he's found fools who bleed for him and shed tears for the oppressed one. But there's no escape for you on this ship. This is your last sanctuary. So red shirts try to blast Beale with phasers, but Beale has some kind of force field and he's got them. What can they do? There's mm. nothing that they can do to stop him. So Kirk finds that he still has control over the computer and he tells Beale that if he doesn't give control back of the ship, he will be forced to blow it up. Mm. Beale thinks he's bluffing, but he ain't. 
First Kirk gives a code, then Spock, then Scott. A real power move by Kirk. Is this all he's got? You can't let the Enterprise be taken over by a foreign intelligence. So, yeah, they they would have to self-destruct it. They can't do anything physical to him or phaser-wise. No. So this is it. The crew look a bit worried. I was a tiny bit too, even though I knew it wouldn't happen. (laughs) Just worried that he'd back down first and his pride would be spoiled or something. (laughs) I can't believe Scotty's cool with it, though. It would have been nice to see some reaction shots from him freaking out that the poor Enterprise... And all of them were about to be destroyed. Well, I think they all know that the ship cannot be taken. Mm. And they're all like, yeah, he's doing the right thing. Ugh. And we as Starfleet officers have committed to this. So we'll give our lives up to protect the ship and the technology. Even though all he wants to do with it is just take one guy back to a planet. Well, that's what he says. Mm. But what happens if they get there and he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're taking your ship. Is that right, though, to give up 300 lives for the sake of possibly one? I mean, that's up for the captain to decide. Mm, and you know, he did. But I can see it because on that ship, they've got computers, they've got codes, they've got technology. And if they're an enemy to the Federation, they could learn all the secrets of the Federation mm. and then use that to take over and destroy the entire thing. So yeah. billions of lives are potentially on the line. Yeah. So awful passwords. <laughs> Not even as hard to crack as password one, two, three. <laughs> There's lots of time while the computer is thinking. Yeah. What a drag. Seems that it was the same sequence in Star Trek 3, but without Spock in That's there. right, yeah. And then at the last minute, Beale relents and he gives control of the ship back to Kirk. Kirk gives this speech about how we don't use violence in the Federation. Oh, yeah. We solve everything with reason and logic and then except (laughs) Kirk Fu. Except when they don't. (laughs) Except when they don't. I think we both had a chuckle at that one. At least half of the time it's violence, (laughs) phases, or just sedating someone. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Since they can't bully their way, Beale and Lokai try to get the crew of the Enterprise to side with each of them. Mm. Beale tries to get the officers on his side while Lokai attempts to recruit the crew. They didn't go anywhere with it. I think that would have been more interesting than what follows if they had been able to somehow convince several ranks of the Enterprise to be in conflict with one another, even for a short period. Yeah. So shot through a gap, we see Lokai's shadow as he soapboxes Chekhov, Sulu and some others in the rec room. Kirk submits a report to Starfleet Command uh, for a resolution of the situation. Meanwhile, Kirk and Spock are drinking various types of booze with Beale for some reason to emphasize the class difference kind of favoritism. Yeah, and it's really strange because this D-bag was, gonna, was trying to take over the ship. Well, he yeah. took over the ship. Yeah. And to let millions of people die... That needed the bacterial cleansing yeah. on the planet. And forcing them to put the whole crew's life at risk. Yeah. The fact that he did take over the ship once, why wouldn't he do it again? That's why they have to keep him sweet, I guess. By right. getting mom's liquor cabinet open uh, and all right, sure. in. While chilling, they get a response back from Starfleet about Beale's request. Read by Uhura to camera for some reason. It is denied. They will not extradite Lokai, but they will have a hearing. Beale is pissed, talking about the inferior race of Lokai, and Spock is like, you're the same. And Beale's like, no, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm black on the right side. Lokai's black on the left side. And then Spock and Kirk just kind of stare at him like, and? Mm. I wonder what this revelation was like for people watching it at the time, if they didn't know that this was the whole concept like I did yeah. watching it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kirk and Spock try to point out that this is a purely cosmetic difference, but Beale won't hear it. He doesn't take Spock's advice that they, like Vulcans, should tame their warlike tendencies with logic. 
They arrive at Arianus, do the decontamination, and then they're off to Starbase 4. But this time, nope, Beale disabled their computers and he's taken over the ship again. Mm -hmm. Of course he has. Yeah. Now they're heading to Sharon again. Yeah. The decontamination was strange. It kind of suddenly went lush and blue skied and... From green. From green and moldy. Don't yeah, know. Uh, not, it. not really important. They did a lot of padding. They did, it didn't need to be there at no. all, really. Show and tell. Loki begs the crew to intervene, but what could they do? Yeah. So they call each other, you half white, you half black. They fight. They light up as they wrestle each other's shoulders back and forth. So Loki has comparable powers to Beale. They both have force fields and they both can probably control technology, which says something mm. about Loki because he didn't use his powers to take over the Enterprise. Yeah. We don't know for sure they have the same powers, That's but true. if they do. They, yeah. we, it's true. Uh, Kirk is afraid that they're going to blow up the ship. And so he tries to talk them down and he says that the ship is going to be your last battlefield. Name of yeah, the episode. Get that in there. If you keep this up. Beale listens and then he gives in. Once he finally gives control over to the captain, they are already near Sharon and they scan the planet. It's dead. Huh. No one is alive anymore. Killed each other in a huge civil war. There are huge piles of unburied corpses, which mm. I thought was a very ghastly detail. Yeah. Do we know how long they've actually been away? All 50,000 years? I guess. What did they expect to find unless I, they've been in contact? I don't know. And then if there's still bodies there, what, the bodies are going to stay there for 50,000 years? Well, the bodies must be recent, mustn't they? I guess so. Loki and Beale blame each other for the genocide, of course they do, mm -hmm. of their people, and they begin to fight again. Kirk tells them to forget their hate and come live in the Federation. I thought he meant come and join the crew. That was a bit of a mouth sign and checks the ass count cash isn't it <laughs> but he didn't but even mean? if it was joined the federation why should the federation take them in they're well, awful especially beale <laughs> <laughs> well if they stop fighting they have technology that the federation obviously doesn't have so mm. they would be a huge boon yeah if they join the federation they're obsessed they're focused on this thing obviously that they've been focused on for thousands of years so it's going to be kind of hard to change direction kirk says that there is nothing to gain by fighting the battle is over but loki calls him an idealistic dreamer and he runs off the bridge. I can kind of see where he's coming from. It is an idealistic dream of Kirk's to think they could just stop and forget it all. Now their planet's dead and all of their people have been killed. Well, yeah, but why fight? But then again, I guess, what else do they have? Mm -hmm. If we're friends, then I could hang out with this guy. Am I going to go live a regular yeah. life? No, it's... That's been their entire role for 50,000 years. Yeah. To get each other. Beale chases after him and then there is this way too long series of <laughs> shots of them running through the Enterprise. Wow, it's something else. It's intercut with footage from World War II bombings of burning buildings. But it's still kind of funny unintentionally because why is Beale running like it's the end of a marathon the whole time? Well, I think it's supposed to convey that he's like distraught and upset, <laughs> but it just looks ridiculous. Oh. He runs in this really kind of weird jokey almost way it's bizarre like it's, he's exhausted but also like he's a child kind of crying as they run he's not crying but he's doing that yeah, body language it's, <laughs> it's weird it's very bizarre it's bad fred freeberger stated we ran a little short on that show which is why it ended up with the chase that went on forever <laughs> i thought it was a hell of a creative solution <laughs> that was from captain's log the unauthorized complete trek voyages padding you so, don't say so much padding it, so much showing and telling and they narrated this in detail. Oh, yeah. Spock's on there <laughs> reporting where they are. He's running past engineering. <laughs> now he's going upstairs. Now he's going past the Arboretum. Oh. He's scratching his ear. Oh, nope. Now he's running again. <laughs> he's seen a poster on the wall for a clam bake. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, and this is the end of the show. And another life form has appeared on Sharon. Doesn't make any sense. To expect sense from two mentalities of such extreme viewpoints is not logical. Their planet's dead. Does it matter now which one's right? Not to Lokai and Beale. All that matters to them is their hate. Do you suppose that's all they ever had, sir? No. But that's all they have left. Whoa, what a bummer. Yeah, that's a pretty dark episode, but it's got a solid message. Mm-hmm. What is it? Well, hate is bad. Yeah. Like, you got to put that hate aside or you're going to have nothing. Yeah, well, that's true. Mm. Well, let's talk about that more okay. in Concepts. The original story concept by Gene Kuhn originally had a devil with a tail chasing an angel. Director Judd Taylor came up with the idea of bicolored skin shortly before the episode began filming. Perhaps that was the reason why the makeup hadn't had much time in the preparation. <laughs> <laughs> it was originally one color from the waist up and the other from the waist down, but each wearing reversed color schemes. That's from Inside Star Trek, the real story. So unless they were in shorts. Yeah, no, that's bizarre. Wouldn't really translate, would it? Because no. one of them would just look white and the other one would just look black. Well, especially because a lot of TV shots are from the chest yeah. up. So you wouldn't see the other half of them where it's much more stark, where it goes right down the middle. Yes, yeah, a smart choice. It would have been okay if it was top half of the head black, bottom half of the head white. It's not equal. The top of that your head's got the brain. So like you could make some weird argument that the brain is in the that colored mm, half. Yeah. Whereas your mouth and your eyes are in the other. You know, so it's like yeah. it makes more sense that it is symmetrical, I think. Does it make any sense though? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. It does. <laughs> the invisible ship, no indication as to how they did that. They had too many superpowers. Yeah. It just became silly and I couldn't get with it. They evolved through mutation. It was speculated that they used to be monocolor as a species. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Confirmation that oppression has not existed on Earth since the 20th century was in their banter. Mm -hmm. It sounds like Loki and his people were being used to fight and die in Beale and his race's wars from their point of view. Yet from Beale's point of view, Loki was whipping up violence, leading to thousands of deaths. And it sounded like Loki's people had been put in ghettos got aside with the oppressed these arguments these are things that white supremacists have been saying forever john wayne famously said that black people shouldn't be allowed to vote because mm -hmm. they're not educated enough and they're not at that point yet where they could take the responsibility to be able to vote or to lead themselves because they don't know better right, well, so yeah. these arguments that you hear him saying are arguments that white supremacists were using in the united states at this time. Mm. Of course, it, it rings true that they are the oppressors and Lokai's people were being oppressed. Giving up 50,000 years to fight an injustice, a vendetta. Are they immortal or just long living? Or is time different to them, maybe? Mm -hmm. I read a comment on Tor.com suggesting the episode is saying racism bad out of one side of its mouth, but you shouldn't do anything too provocative to achieve equality out of the other. Yeah, I got a little bit of that as well. Mm. And not out of what they were saying but out of how kirk and company were treating them yeah they were treating them as equally foolish which i felt didn't quite ring true they wouldn't let beale take loki back to the planet because that could endanger him and that's not how they do things he wanted political asylum and they were like well let's see about that because you mm. did steal a sh shuttle yeah i would think that they'd be a little bit more sympathetic it's like yeah this dude's been chasing me and i stole the yeah. sh shuttle to stay alive so don't go and have cocktails with him yeah kirk and co kind of seem to align themselves with beale 
inviting him onto the bridge at the end, cocktails, even after he took control. And perhaps it's a control technique for dealing with a powerful being to make them seem as though they're in with you. Right. Yeah. Could be. Beale was able to materialize on board, take over the ship with his mind, fry the computer. We don't know whether Loki had those powers. He didn't use them if he no. did. A knickerbocker glory of concepts. Too many. I feel sick. It's not really fleshed out. What was the message? Five out of ten. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, were you going way higher? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say an eight out of Ooh, ten wow. for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, this is some heavy-duty stuff, yeah. and this is what sci-fi is all about, in my opinion, is looking at social and scientific and ethical issues through the lens of the fantastic so that you put some distance between you obviously the distance in here is isn't that far yeah because they're still judging each other on their skin color or colors all these attitudes that uh beal and loci had were the stuff that was being talked about right yeah at that time in history certainly so, very pertinent but in your terms of it being a sci-fi concept we can say that they may have evolved to have those split down the middle faces but apart from that it's not really a sci-fi thing that they looked like that and treated mm. each other like that. That's just, that could be anything, couldn't it? Now. Yeah, I guess now that you point that out, the only element of it was that the Enterprise couldn't really interfere with them and their struggle too much because they were so powerful. Yeah. So they just had to sort of watch on the whole exchange that was happening and try to exert some power here and there. But maybe you're right. Maybe I'm giving it too much of a, of a score because they don't really have any sci-fi concepts like well what if that was that what would that mean and what would this mean and yeah but i'm sticking with it okay entertainment for me most boring episode of season three endless talking head a sausage fest weird camera stuff endless reaction shots and close-ups the red alert that was ridiculous this effect allegedly paid homage to frank gorshin's role as the riddler in ah, Batman. okay which, which seems totally out of place. Really out of place yeah. in such a serious episode. Yeah. It was hard to focus on the content when it's coming out of those distracting faces as well. Sorry, guys. Quality actors, I assume, but I couldn't focus on the facial expressions. I could only see the makeup. Yeah. In the third season blooper reel, several sequences from this episode are featured. Footage of nude swimmers in a pool was inserted at the point where Kirk asks, could it be a Romulan ship using their cloaking device? What? What? That's from the Star Trek compendium. I don't get it. What's, <laughs> That's bizarre. What's going on? I didn't like how similar their costumes were. Beale's higher class was indicated by a necklace and a jeweled belt, but otherwise the same colour and costume. Emphasising how similar they look from others' point of view, I guess, but if one's the ruling class and the other's a previously enslaved rebel class, why would they dress anything alike? Wouldn't they even emphasise their difference through clothing? Those are some good points. Or it would have looked cool if they'd had white down one side and black down the other to celebrate their way of being. I didn't understand why they had them in pale grey. Grey's halfway between black and white, so it's a neutral. Yes, true. So like you said, I think that they were trying to show that they are the same. They Mm -hmm. just got different skin tones. Yeah, but that's an outsider perspective, isn't it? Realistically, they wouldn't want to look the same at all i would imagine it didn't bother me at all no in fact i, I think it makes perfect sense there's a lot going on anyway I, I think that them being one half black and one half white was mm. a little too on the nose maybe if they were like half blue and half yeah. orange or and, something like that and they're better off with powder for those yeah so, yeah yeah 20 minutes seem to be stretched into an hour <laughs> missed opportunities because it's a fantastic concept and really pertinent and there was a lot there that could have been mm. fascinating Three out of ten. 
Yeah, I'm going to give it a slightly more. I, I was entertained by it, but it w was fairly weak. So I'm going to give it a four out of 10. Uh, sexiness. Nope. <laughs> despite, but the packages. despite the packages on show Uhura was in quite a few shots but just following orders and reacting one out of five whoa jeez yeah it wasn't unsexy I suppose I yeah I give it a two out two. of five so your guesses I guess they were the only two left at all so that was right mm. Spock and McCoy didn't use their relationship as a parallel missed opportunity there for me sure, yeah, yeah. Spock didn't know anything about the aliens history and he had no answers yeah he was pretty ineffectual this episode and again if you're going to pad you don't need people running around the corridor for five minutes you can go into that how his main strength has been taken away from him because these guys are so unknown I said they'd be sedated at some point. They weren't, although he was weak and he was in sick bay doing his quite reasonable sick bay challenge at one point. Yeah. Loki. I said Kirk will do some monologues to convince them to change. Well, he gave it a good go, didn't he? I said they'll show surprise at the Enterprise's mixed race crew. No, no, it was a missed care. opportunity for me. And I said we'd have some side on shots facing each other to show how similar they really are. We kind of did. Yeah. So farewell, Gene Kuhn. This was his last episode as Ghost Writer. Under his, Under non, his nom de plume. Nom de plume. Next week, we've got the episode The Mark of Gideon. Hmm. Don't remember this one at hmm. all. I'd like to welcome some new patrons. Yeah. Lieutenant Catherine Cohn. Jeppe Mulick. Christopher Tate. Kim Svahn. Peter Larson. Febo Troilo. Adam Dunnigan. Lucinda Baron von Parker. Stephen Stutton. And Emma Grace Russell. And Ensign's Jindo Fox. FB. And Fixin. And Richard Wolf is now a triple Lieutenant Commander. Thank you. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> He's paid triple the amount that a oh, Lieutenant Commander. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Richard. <laughs> and uh, with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to Rachel Watches Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek! <laughs>